You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. When will the next Great Awakening happen? In order to look forward, we're going to first look back at previous Great Awakenings. We're going to do that with Dr. Mark Terman, who is with the Denison Forum. The Denison Forum's goal is to encourage spiritual awakening while equipping believers to engage with the issues and news of the day. Dr. Terman, thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Great to be with you. Yeah, Denison Forum has this new resource out, The Fifth Great Awakening and the Future of America. So if the fifth is what we're looking you know, in front of us, so there, that means there has to be four behind us. Can you give us a quick review of the, the four awakenings? Sure. Uh, yes, definitely have to look back a little bit. But uh, in our case, just about the length of our country's history. So uh, looking at this through the lens of that uh, prism, 1730, 1740, right before the American Revolution, the uh, colonies were founded and they were trying to figure out how to make life work in America. And uh, there was just a great need, a great spiritual need. And that need was met in a large measure by the preaching of some powerful people like George Whitfield, John Wesley, and his brother. Uh, that was the first one. The second one, 1790, right after the American Revolution, while the Constitution was being ratified, seems like after the Revolutionary War, there was just a, a moral, spiritual decline uh, within the new nation. And then 1850, right before the Civil War, uh, great needs were arising, slavery being one of the key issues, but not the only issue. And uh, that gave rise to a desperate cry for uh, a new awakening that God would move in a special way. And then 1904-1905, what is sometimes called the Welsh revival that started in Wales and spread all the way across the ocean to America. Those are commonly referred to as the first four. And uh, we believe that there is a fifth great awakening that's already happening in some parts of the world. Now, let me ask you, because I just recently previewed a new movie that's coming out, Jesus Revolution, that chronicles the Jesus movement that happened and really swept our nation late 60s and 70s. Would that be considered a revival as so many were coming to Christ? And as I look at what you're talking about here, it was also a great time of crisis and need in our nation. Well, we have to remember there's not a a simple way of evaluating this. And so... Uh, these terms get used in different ways by different people. Mm-hmm. I might say that a, a renewal would be when a person turns their life toward God for the first time or in a new commitment of, of uh, faith and following. A revival might be when that happens in a congregation. An awakening happens when that occurs in a culture on a wide scale. And certainly what we saw in the 60s has some marks of that, certainly of a revival anyway, as many different communities and parts uh, of the Christian family saw some significant change. But we also know that the culture actually declined in rapid ways during the sexual revolution of the 60s and some of the other things that were going on in the culture. And it almost feels like in some ways that what we saw as indications of revival in the 60s kind of got swept up and, and in some ways perhaps diminished by Uh, what was going on in the culture, the larger culture at that time. As you were talking, you were saying that there was some kind of a um, reason for revival needing to happen. There was a 
a problem within the country, there was a revolution happening or a struggle of some sort, um, man against man. We're seeing that. I mean, we've been talking with the mics off this morning about the Grammy Awards and what happened Mm -hmm. there. I mean, we see problems within our nation and we are desperate for this awakening to occur. Um, Is that what really, as you look back and say, okay, these are markers. This is why there was an awakening. Are we seeing those markers here in our nation today? Oh, I think definitely. And I think that's consistent across all of these uh, experiences is that when you start looking at the, uh, the spiritual and moral health of the community or of the country at each of these periods, what you see is, is that there was tremendous moral decline. There were real social problems around, uh, around substance abuse, around the breakdown of marriage and families, around things like depression and anxiety. And, uh, and even in the previous times, those things were not able to be measured nearly as well as they are now. But we've seen, particularly in the last 20 years, the last four or five years, a great rise in some of those same categories. Uh, and so there's a lot of social indicators that would lead us to believe there is a desperate need for an awakening in our part of the world and that we're needing God to move in a fresh way, starting within the church, within the community of faith, but then reaching out and expanding into people who at this point have no faith or very little faith. The indicators are probably more defined and more clear than they have ever been in any previous era of our country. So what is the role then of the believer today who looks around and says, yes, we are in need of an awakening? Yeah, I think getting this to be personal is really a great way for us to focus. I remember when I was a new Christian back in the 80s, my pastor referenced uh, an evangelist named Gypsy Smith. And Dr. Dennison, in his uh, work about spiritual awakening, references this story. Gypsy Smith was one of those evangelists that called people to Christ. And somebody asked him, well, how do we begin a revival or how do we begin an awakening? He said, well, if you'll go home and take a piece of chalk, draw a circle, get in the middle of that circle and surrender everything inside the circle to Christ, then revival will be among us. Mm -hmm. And I keep a piece of chalk on my desk just to remind me of that story that I can pray that God would move in a massive way. And I do pray that God would move in a massive way to turn our communities and our entire country, our entire generation back to him in a phenomenal way. But that has to start with me. That has to start with me doing what the Bible says in places like Ephesians 5.18, to be filled with the Spirit by confessing sin daily, by asking him to be the leader of every part of my life, giving everything that I know of myself to everything that I know of him, and then trusting him to do that, to cleanse me of sin and to lead me into serving him in ways that make a difference both now and for eternity. This is really a call for men to lead their families, for parents to lead their families, for um, parents to train up their children. I mean, this is a call that um, has been missing, hasn't it? Oh, I think so. And the Bible says, you know, in its latter pages, in the writings of Peter, it says, you know, judgment must begin with the household of God. So we may long to see, you know, this or that change in our culture, and we should be longing for that, but it has to start in the mirror. It has to start with, what am I doing, as you said, to 
not only turn my own heart fully toward Christ, but then to influence the people around me in the relationships that I have, whether that's in my marriage, my, my family, my friendships, my school, my workplace. What can I do to be that salt and light that helps point people to Christ as the ultimate answer to what we all need? The Fifth Great Awakening, a new resource from the Denison Forum. Mark Terman with us. You've been talking about the importance of repentance. I just think this is something we don't talk a lot about um, in today's culture, even Christian culture. Can you talk about the need uh, for that? Well, and that's just getting real honest about our sin. And uh, in answer to kind of Dr. Phil's question that people may be familiar with, how that how is that working for you? <laughs> and for people get to the place to realize that the way that they're trying to do things on their own and in their own strength just isn't producing the kind of flourishing and thriving life that God says he wants for us. Jesus said that he came to give us life and to give it to us abundant and joyful and full. And when you look at your life and you say, that's, that's not the way I would describe my life, then the question becomes, well, who are you living it with and who are you living it for? None of us likes to be told that we're wrong or that we uh, turned our, our heart and life away from God. But God says that if we will recognize that we are broken, that we are, uh, that we are sinful by nature, that we've been deceived by the devil, if we will come to be honest about that, as the Bible teaches us to do that in various places, gives us so many examples like David, the Bible says he is faithful and just when we confess our sins to cleanse us and to fill us with a new righteousness that will be not only good for us, but glorifying to God and a blessing to the people around us. We, we have to come to a place of humility about that, to realize that uh, as, as one preacher long ago was asked, what's, prob what's the problem with our country? He wrote back to the editor of the newspaper and simply said, I am. I'm the problem. I need to repent of my sin. And, and when I do that, then God can start a whole new work. You know, there are people throughout history that have said, I am the problem and have repented and turned that 180 degrees but it hasn't led to the awakening that we're talking about. What do, we, what do I do to compete from that or stop that discouragement that I get that I feel like, you know, I've done my part, but it doesn't seem to be uh, changing my neighborhood or the culture or that I just don't see the awakening. Yeah, and it can be discouraging at times, no question about it. And we uh, see examples of that in the Bible where people longed for God to bring that kind of an awakening. I just think of Jeremiah. Jeremiah just so faithfully served and pointed people to God in a long, long season of people not wanting to repent, not wanting to humble themselves and to confess. But Jeremiah and others just kept on being faithful. And, uh, you know, we read about how Paul says to the Philippians that he wanted to, to just simply know Christ. And he says two things. I want to know the power of his resurrection but then he says, I also want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I like the first part of that. I want to know the power of his resurrection. Mm -hmm. But that second part doesn't seem so appealing, the, the power or the fellowship of his sufferings. Are we willing to let our hearts be broken for the things that, that God is, is saddened by, that God is grieving over, and to, to pray and to intercede for not only our own lives and our own families, but for our entire generation until God brings that the way God wants to bring it. And one of the things about all four previous Great Awakenings, 
they all had very unique features of them and they didn't look the same when they came they didn't even always look the same in different parts of the country but there were some elements that God was moving in the midst of all of those situations. Yeah, and, you know, I was listening to someone talk about revival, and they talked about how sometimes it's messy. I mean, when you're talking about God unleashing His power and inviting us into even His suffering, um, things don't always go neatly and according to our plan. So I, I guess what I'm saying is when we pray for a revival and really for an awakening, we have to be prepared for however God chooses to answer, right? Oh, Absolutely. And what we can know is there are some things that are consistent because they come from the Word of God. We always know that it is about God being glorified and not people being glorified. We know that it is always focused on a high view of the Word of God as the most objective and clear uh, understanding of what God's will is for our lives. We know it's marked by unity. If it's not bringing the people of God together, then it's probably something we need to be a little bit leery of. And we, we know that it is marked by at least those three things. And yes, it's going to look different in different places and among different groups or people. But we can be confident that God knows exactly what to do at any given time and in any given place. And if we will simply be as humble and as focused on him as we can, then we can trust him with the results. Hmm. Well, I, I feel like we could just keep talking, Mark, but our time has run out. If you want more about this, they, the Denison Forum has this great new resource, The Fifth Great Awakening and the Future of America. Uh, we have a link to it at our website, so you can find out more about how, if you'd like to read this book, you can find out how, but Dr. Mark Terman has been with us. Mark, thank you so much for your wisdom in this topic and uh, for helping us understand this better and, and how we get from uh, maybe point A to point B here. We thank you so much. You're welcome. Great to be with you.